have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the weekend vigilante, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Monday, August 14th edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into the broadcast today and a very exciting broadcast I have for you. But first, I want to just make sure that you are tuning into the program on our customized app. That's right, the Weekend Vigilante app. Go to your app store and download it, and it's just a click away. It's a very customized app for you, the listener, and I'm getting a lot of great feedback on that. Do not forget to like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page, my Twitter account, which is really interesting. I went from 85,000 followers on Twitter down to, I think I'm down to 65,000 after the show I did with Craig the Sawman Sawyer. I'm sure there's no correlation though, right? Losing 20,000 followers in one day. does Is that suspect? The constant Stasi censorship on all forums is really getting quite frustrating. Of course, YouTube demonetizing one out of every three videos. I'm officially really not making anything on YouTube. So go to Patreon right now and do commit to a couple of bucks a month and make sure this program does stay on the air. It is the faithful support of my listeners that enables this program. Very quickly, go to weekendvigilante.com and a banner will come up after several seconds. You just simply click on it. You can also go to the donate page there as well to become a patron. That's very important. And as the Stasi-style censorship rages on, let's make sure this program can stay on the air. I know some people have the means to donate more, but again, for just a couple of bucks a month, the price of a cup of coffee, you can make sure this program resumes. And I thank you in advance for that. As everyone knows, I was gone a couple weeks due to the raging BC forest fires, Still have a lot of smoke in my community. A lot of areas have been evacuated, but I am settled in. I'm back on the air and going full throttle this week, and we've got a great lineup of guests. In fact, speaking of great guests, my guest today is the wife of someone who I have on my show a lot is Dr. Michael Lake. Well, it's his wife. She is the author of What Witches Don't Want Christians to know I've really wanted to get her on my program for quite a long time. And it is my pleasure to welcome Mrs. Mary Lake to the program today. Mary, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure. This is your first time and I hope one of many more to come. Welcome to the program, ma'am. Well, thank you, Sheila. It's a pleasure to be on your program. Thanks for inviting me. If you're asking yourself, how pervasive is the occult? What connections do the occult and mind control agendas maintain? Well, She's going to get into this and so much more. What is it that witches don't want Christians to know? Her powerful testimony, revelations regarding hidden ritual abuse, mind control agenda. Such a powerful testimony. Mary Lou, just lay this out for us and start with your testimony. Okay. Um, Well, 
for the, the first years of my life, up through the age of 26, I would have told anybody that I, I had a fairly boring life. I started noticing in my teens that I was suffering with depression. Then that just kind of got worse. And then when I married my husband, who was in the ministry, I thought, well, this is going to take care of all my problems, and it didn't. Actually, things got a lot worse. And so things just escalated, and our marriage was in bad, bad shape. And then there was a a series of events that happened that started a journey of healing for me, and I can just start out with that, probably. We had started a little storefront church. I was sitting and praying. I'd took me a long time to hear the voice of God, and I can explain why later. (laughs) But I finally, I had a breakthrough in um, January of 1994. I had got so depressed the December before that that I'd just been laying in bed and saying, God, my family deserves so much better than this. I'm so depressed, and you're Almighty God. Is there anything you can do to help me? So that next January, I think it was around January, um, about 20 days after, I just woke up and I was the depression was gone. I had about eight months of just bliss. It was like every all the depression, all the bondage left me. I could read the word. I could pray for the first time. And then eight months later, in August, which is always a bad is a bad month for somebody like me, all of it came back and it came back worse. So I was just pretty confounded. I couldn't figure out what in the world had happened to me. And so I ended up just struggling for several months. I finally just went out. It was cold. I wrapped up in a blanket and laid out on our picnic table. And I said, God, I've got to stay out here till you tell me what happened to me. You know, I can't go on like this. And I heard him say, I was under the influence of demons. And I thought, well, that can't be God because a Christian can't have demons. And so so I was, uh, I kept pressing in and I kept hearing the same thing. And he said, you bind them and I'll show you how to get rid of them. So I thought, okay. And I said, well, I bind you in the name of Jesus. It felt like I had just a hammer hit me in the back of the head. So I thought, well, there's something to this. So I went in, had my husband pray with me, and that, that started a journey of healing for me. And then in the it was the fall of 95, we'd started that little church. We had an experience that was really odd on one day. And then the next day, there was a witch that came and crawled in the van. We were stopped at a store. We'd come out of our church service and, and my husband went in the store, so this witch came in, and uh, she opened up his his side of the door, and she said, where are you going, Mary? And out of my mouth came, uh, well, you know where I'm going. And so she just kind of manifested a, a demon and started crawling across that seat toward me. And my kids were in there and a couple other kids, and it was scaring them. And uh, so anyway, I took my seatbelt off because I thought, well, we're getting ready to rumble. And um, it, what came out of my mouth was, I love you but you have to turn from what you're doing or you're going to be destroyed. And as soon as I said that, she just kind of melted and crawled back out, started speaking in what sounded like speaking in tongues. Obviously, it wasn't. And so she went on. And from that point on, Sheila, it was like nonstop people coming by our house. It it was like all of a sudden the town I grew up in turned into a bunch of different people. And it wasn't all the time. It was just like there would somebody would turn a switch, and all of a sudden they were people I didn't know. And they would say crazy things like quotes from Wizard of Oz, quotes from Alice in Wonderland, talking about tornadoes all the time. Um, And if my husband hadn't seen it, I would have probably thought, well, I've just went crackers here. I've lost my mind. (laughs) But in in the whole process of this, it appeared to me, the only um, way that we can make any sense out of anything is it appeared that we were an experimental site for mind control. We were 20 miles from Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and um, it seemed like a 30-mile radius of there was involved in this. And one of the people in uh, in our town is actually a person in my family. I was praying for her 
one night. Uh, she had depression, too. And I knew that I needed to pray because everything that Satan could throw at me, every hurtful thing she'd ever said, anything that ever came out of her mouth, he was bombarding me with to stop me from praying. And so I finally said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm not only going to pray her through, but if she's supposed to be in the ministry, I'm going to hold her coat. <laughs> and, and then it was just like the devil shut up. Then I heard God's voice, and he said, if you're ever going to make it out, he said, there's something you have to look at. And I, fear hit me like nothing in the world. It took me several minutes to overcome that to say, okay, I'll look at it. <laughs> and just immediately when I said that, I saw this person uh, that I was praying for laying on a slab. There was a, a person in a black robe standing right to the side. She was staring over at a candle crying, and then I had a, my great aunt and my great grandmother were standing there just in plain clothes. And so that was it. That's all I saw. And so I said, God, that can't be real. I don't remember anything occult in our family. There couldn't have been anything like that. And he said, I want you to go pray with her. Don't tell her what you saw. You bind the enemy that he can't show you anything false so you'll know that, that this is truth. And he said, you just pray with her and she'll confirm what you saw. And I, th I thought, oh, this can't be. You know, I talked to my husband. He prayed with me because I sure didn't want Satan to get, you know, a big lie in there or something. So I went and I prayed with her. And I was sitting there praying, just, you know, a normal prayer. And she grabbed me and she said, Mary, she said, my grandmother was a witch and had used her in a ritual. And she started explaining this little dress that she had on said it was the little Easter dress she wow. had on in the, that I'd seen. And I thought, how in the world could this be true? So anyway, she went to her bedroom and brought out these little handkerchiefs that uh, my grandmother had given her. And she said, I wonder if we should get rid of these. And so I went down in the, her basement. She had a real nice house and a big wood furnace in the basement. So I opened that thing up and threw those handkerchiefs in there, and they wouldn't burn. I just stood there and stood there, and I kept waiting. I finally said, I plead the blood of Jesus over you, and they just burst into flame. So I thought, man, there is something going on. So I went and talked to my husband after that, and he said, well, Mary, you need two or three witnesses. He said, you need to go talk to your dad. That was his grandmother, and ask him if he knew anything about that. So I went to him the next morning. They, he was sitting there at the breakfast table with my mom. And uh, I said, you know, this person just said that Granny, we called her Granny, was a witch. I said, do you remember anything that would make you think that's true? And he just busted out in tears. And he said, maybe I don't want to remember. And then instead of me being able to get any more information, he just started saying, now, if you talk to anybody about this, they're going to throw you in Fulton, which is a a town in Missouri that has a mental institution. And he was just so worried. And, and so anyway, I ended up going home and... <laughs> I just had to work through it with my husband. And the one thing that I got out of that is I thought, okay, I've got a couple of witnesses here that say, say there's witchcraft in my family. And so I just started praying accordingly. I just started saying, Father, forgive the sins of witchcraft in my family and, you know, break these things off of us and those type of prayers. And uh, boy, my depression was gone forever. I mean, it never came back. So obviously that was connected. Well, then through all the other things that I started seeing, I saw lights in the sky, was so crazy. It was hard to believe. There were these lights that flashed. I got this real weird feeling in my stomach that I had even when I was a little kid. And so I guess that's what I was feeling then. I just didn't know what was going on. But I was taking a woman to her house, and it was, it was dark. And so uh, as I was going off this hill out of this town where I lived, up to the right in the sky, there were these big lights flashing. It looked like a full moon, but it was flashing in a pattern. There'd be one at the left, one way over at the right, and then three consecutive ones in the middle. And then it'd repeat itself. And so anyway, I thought, what is this? So I get down, I take this woman to her house several miles down the road. 
there's another set of them. So I'm booking it trying to get back home because I wanted to, to get my husband to come and see if he could see this. And so by the time I got home, we came out and up over the town because we lived a couple of miles out. It had changed position, but you could see the same flashing set of lights go over the town. Now, when I was first seeing them and on the road, there were cars coming out of everywhere. And this was like a small town. It was election night, but the polls were closed. So it it was just very uncommon. I even saw a a sheriff go by and nobody was even acting like they saw these lights. And I saw them two more times after that. And I was able to pray and command them to go in Jesus name and they would leave. So I knew something was connected with it. There was no, you know, it wasn't like an alien ship or anything. There was no ship. It was just lights. And so those were the type of things that, that we saw over and over and over. And it became apparent that something horrible had happened there. And it became apparent to me over the course of a couple of years that I, I had been a victim in the occult. And so that's what my story was about and, and uh, how God brought me out of that and what we learned with it. Wow. Well, I don't think a lot of people, Mary Lou, get how generational occult witchcraft and Freemasonry can wreak havoc in their lives. We're talking about how generational curses can manifest in people's lives. Oh, in such a major way. And, you know, I'd always heard that um, in the churches I'd went to that there was no such thing as a generational curse. They just quote the scripture, you know, that Jesus took care of all the curses for us and we don't have to worry about that. And and absolutely, I believe that's true, but it's not automatic. You know, once once those demonic forces get a hold of a bloodline, they don't just leave unless you make them leave once they've got an entryway. And that's what I learned with me. It took me so long to figure out, you know, I couldn't understand the weird comments that were being made. That was one of the things. Well, when we had that little church, we and the story kind of got out, you know, where the witch had crawled in my van, we started having people come to the ministry And it was apparent that they were what is called DID, multiple personality disorder. And I didn't even give a thought that that could be me. So I had just tried to get people to find somebody to come in and minister to them and just let me watch because I didn't know what to do. And as I was watching that, I started thinking, this sounds a lot like me because I had a, a couple of years that I just couldn't remember a thing. And you'd think I would have questioned things like that more, but you just kind of put it in the back of your mind. Because I still to this day can't remember third and fourth grade consciously. I think I've had memories come up that were during that time frame. But if somebody had told me 30 years ago, Sheila, well, Mary, you're a victim of, you know, mind control, and your family had a connection in the occult, and I would have called them crazy. I did not remember a thing. When you go through something like this, your mind is already conditioned to just, you kind of make make some kind of justification for something, even if it's weird. You know, because I can look back and I can say, man, there were weird st- things going on. But at the time, your mind just kind of justifies it. And so you, the last thing you're ever going to be thinking is, oh, I'm a victim of mind control. You know, it's really yeah. a, an effective way of Satan just destroying your life and using you. And, you know, the people that do the, the mind control, man, they're masters at this stuff. And, they, you know, they took all that information from the Nazi scientists that they did on the, the Jewish community in Auschwitz and stuff. And, man, they just went to town on using it on the American public. And I think there's many more people that have had this happen that than anybody knows. They may be like me. They may just be suffering with depression. They may not be able to read the word and, you know, have those things. But at the same time, they wouldn't be thinking it's from something like that because you don't remember it. Well, so here you are, a victim of mind control programming. Where did it start? Do you think your your dad and mom were involved in this? 
Did your siblings, did they have similar things? Were your family supportive? Was your family involved in this? Walk us through that. Well, um, my dad was in the military before I was born. He was in the Army, and it was kind of, a, I guess, a taboo subject because I never remember him talking about it. My mom had mentioned to me that he had a medical discharge for bleeding ulcers. And so once all of this happened with me, I think it struck such fear, even though they may have thought it was something else. They, I think my family just told everybody I went nuts. Um, but they, they pretty much couldn't deal with what happened, with me finding out, you know, I'm a program multiple. I, they just could, and, and they couldn't see it in themselves at all. It didn't matter what I brought up. And I know my mom and dad were, were old enough at that time. I think they were so physically weak that I just don't think they could handle it. And I probably pushed that a little bit more on them than I needed to. But it, it got to the point I couldn't get information. It was just like it shut down. What I did, I was able to look up one fact. When my dad had the bleeding ulcers, I had remembered my mom telling me about the physician that they flew in from uh, Texas to operate on him because she said that, that he was about to die and they were having to let like one his heart pick up one drop of blood. The doctor was standing there and I thought, you know, just for your average country Joe, that's a lot of a lot of trouble that somebody would have went to. And so I started looking that up and he did have a connection to Freemasonry, that physician did. And so I I have wondered if, you know, because in, in the Monarch Project, they always t- uh, talk about how part of the research they, they did was where the information with the parents that were experimented on would go to the children. And there was this, you know, one thing that I kept seeing in my head about something called an Iron Man. And this was long before Iron Man movies or any of that. And I, I've wondered if my dad was not one of those original test subjects and it was so hard on his body, he didn't, he couldn't make it, um, you know, make it through the, the program. Because I, I thought maybe that's how that got in my mind. You know, it was something that was passed down from my dad. Um, but I never could... You just can't find out information because everybody is so terrified. You can't even get them to ask, you know, basic things. Like, I can't tell you much about anyone past my grandparents. There just wasn't any information there. But I I haven't been, as far as my family, other than me, they just all said Mary's went nuts and they just got away. Well, I think the fact that my dad was so terrified they were going to put me there must have been an indicator that he's seen a bunch of people go. (laughs) Wow. You know, and so so probably the people, well, and, and I did come to this determination because of the fear factor that I saw with all the people is, you know, you have the knowledge in the back. You know, your mind won't let you go back that and retrieve that information because your mind perceives that if you if you see what happened to you, you won't survive or you won't be functional. So your your biggest problem is getting your mind to allow the blood of Jesus to go in those places and, and heal you because they perceive it as a threat. It's just, you know, it's a survival instinct. And uh, I think that that was so great there where I was raised and all the people that were affected, they just, they would just shut down because the fear was so great that, and, and they, I would see them shake. I mean, physically shake like teeth chatter and shaking when I try to talk about it. And I actually had some of that as my programming was coming undone. I would wake up like at 111, 222, every, every time it would be one of those times. And I think those were times that, that there was a broadcast and I was supposed to switch to a part. And when I would wake up and see the numbers instead of switching, then I would have what's called an internal earthquake. And I would feel like I was shaken to pieces. It feels like you're dying. And I had a couple of those after I married my husband. And I went to the emergency room and because I thought, well, I'm having a heart attack or something. I mean, And actually, I, I think what it is is an extreme adrenaline 
rush. You never get to process those traumas. And so I think a lot of that gets stored. And so when it starts opening up, all that adrenaline comes out. And I mean, and you don't have a reason to feel fear. And so you don't understand the shaking and the, because it just feels like you're dying. And so when I, uh, both times when I went to the emergency room, they said, no, everything's fine. Your heart's fine. There's, we can't find anything wrong. So then you just kind of feel like an idiot and go home. (laughs) But I think a lot of times um, that I think the numbers people are seeing, I think are are mind control broadcasts. Like if they're, if they're looking places and seeing those numbers, because I think once you get to the place you see the numbers, that means that the, the mind control broadcast isn't working because your mind is perceiving the actual time or the number and it's not receiving the broadcast. So it's actually a good sign. You've already mentioned some really bizarre happenings, but in your recollection, what is the most bizarre experience you've had in all of this? Oh, I think the most bizarre was when I was praying with one of the um, the people that had come to our ministry. I had got this uh, sense from the Holy Spirit that I needed to go pray. And so I went to her house, and her husband was there. And my husband had prayed before for her and said that he perceived she was like a router in a computer. And so I had that, you know, in my mind. And so I was just praying and saying, well, Father, you know, give me a prayer to say to help her. She's really struggling. And so when I got in there, it was like the Holy Spirit just took over. (laughs) And I couldn't tell you what all I said if I had to. I wish I had a recording of it because it was one thing after another. It was like so fast that Satan couldn't stop it. And God gave me one thing after another. She was switching like combinations on a lock. It ended up where whatever opened up in her was under the seal, the presidential seal. It was unbelievable, the locks and things that God gave me. And it just, she, her face was switching so quick. It was this most bizarre thing. And when, when we got to under the presidential seal, she was floating with like her arms and legs were like, they were wires. And I thought, she's going to fall on her face. But she she was just standing there floating. And I, I didn't even know what I was going to say. I'm not kidding you. This is just one of these things that the Lord did. And I said, Jezebel, you come out in the name of Jesus. And she screamed like nothing wow. you've ever heard. And it, it wasn't even like her scream. It was like something coming behind her. And it was like something came from behind her through her. And then I said, now you go to the feet of Jesus for judgment. And that, that was it. And then she just returned to normal. But I honestly felt like it was something that she couldn't contain. She was just like a router to. And kind of what I got the picture of is there were, were several women like that, that they can't hold these bigger, bigger type demonic powers, but they, they're almost like the tentacles of it. And I think what God did in that particular instance was just pull that thing through her. It was a bizarre thing. I'll never forget that one. <laughs> Whether it's MKUltra, Monarch Programming, DID, the Multiple Personality Disorder, it's taboo because a lot of people feel like they cannot talk about these experiences because people just think they're, you know, bat crap crazy and they just don't want to go there. They don't want to start talking about the weird, bizarro things that are happening in their lives, just like gang stalking. Demons can cause all sorts of havoc, and that is where the deliverance ministry really comes in, doesn't it? Well, the deliverance ministry is something when you're dealing with, like, the program multiples. Because, you know, essentially what I came to the 
the thought of, Sheila, was that what in the world have I taken into churches? I started looking back and thinking, I was just packing these things. And I thought, did I went back and looked at that and I said, God, please forgive me. If there's anything I was a part of where I went in a church as part of some kind of mission to work against that church, please forgive me and restore anything because that's what I've seen in the last 23 years since this started going on with me is I've seen more of these people in churches than you can shake a stick at. And it's I think that it's part of why the churches are in the shape they are is I think they have these people in there. And I can tell you, I don't think anybody would have thought a thing about me when I walked into church because I've seen it for myself. We had people come into our church. I thought, well, everything's okay. I thought some things were odd, but never in a million years would I have thought that they were programmed to multiple. And then once that door comes open, it's like everything's behind this gate. And when that gate comes down and those parts come up that have the the demons with them, you just can't believe hardly what's back there. You just think this isn't the same person. But that's the whole, I think that's the whole plan is that Satan was determined he was going to infiltrate the churches this way because, you know, I've always told somebody, if somebody comes in in all black and they got a pentagram on and stuff like that, that's pretty easy to identify. But most of the people that were like me, you can't identify them. They're just in there. Their front consciousness would be just like mine. You know, that's why I couldn't talk to my family. That's why I couldn't talk to anybody. The, The last thing I could have convinced them of was that, hey, this has happened to you too. When you're talking about mind control, is there a connection between dissociative disorder, the occult programming, the MK Ultra, multiple personality, the satanic ritual abuse? Is all this just one mishmash of the same thing, or are there variations and differences? Walk us through this. Okay. Well, I think a lot of it is intertwined. Um, I know that when we first started out, I couldn't even tell who was coming after us. You know, we'd had... um, like cattle mutilations years ago in our town, and there had been mention of things like that. So I thought, well, maybe these are Satanists. And then it looked more like, no, this is witchcraft. And then it ended up like it was mostly Druidism. So, and I think that what they do in when there's a program multiple like me is I think they just they just take the parts of you and just design that part, fashion it, to work with a particular thing. I think a, a program multiple can have a Satanist, they can have a witch, they can have a, a Druid. I've seen it. So while you have those separate in the occult community that wouldn't normally interact with the other groups, in a programmed multiple, you can have one of each. And that and that would even explain why every occult day on, that you can find, they use. They even defile the feasts. Uh, of the Lord. That was the that was one of the ways that I the reasons I think they started coming after me is I was praying uh, the week before. I was just sitting on my porch praying, and I heard the Lord say to me, "There are people in your community that are getting ready to defile the uh, Feast of Tabernacles." And I had read the whole Bible, but I wouldn't pay much attention to the things in the Old Testament. So I'd said, "Well, where in the world is that?" And he and the Lord said, "Leviticus 23." So I went in, looked it up, and I'll be there. It was that was my first shock. And it said it was the fifteenth um, day of the seventh month. Well, I didn't know when that was, so I went and asked my husband. He said, "Well, let's get a Jewish calendar." And it was that coming weekend. And I thought, "Okay." Then and I probably heard from God, so I just started praying that they wouldn't get anything done. And that was the weekend the witch came after me. Um, so you'd be surprised at all the things they do. But but in within a program multiple, you'll, you'll have them following the witchcraft calendar. You'll have them following a satanic calendar. I don't think that there's anyone 
that is going to be a victim of satanic ritual abuse that isn't going to be at least a multiple because the trauma is so severe that I just don't think a child could handle it. And I think that's the whole purpose, you know, that God gave us that ability to dissociate. I think that anybody's in that. Now, I, I do think you could go up the witchcraft line because usually they start people out in Wicca. You know, it looks pretty harmless, and then they just kind of progress them on up the scale to where they would eventually get into the dark witchcraft. But when it's a programmed multiple like I was, I think the sky's the limit on what you can have in there. Wow. Well, you know, in your book, a groundbreaking, of course, book, What Witches Do Not Want Christians to Know, fill us in on some things that we do need to know about witchcraft in a time, Mary, by the way, when it's front page headlines that witches are casting spells, by the way. When did we ever think that would be front page news? Isn't that the truth? Well, and I'm so thankful for shows like yours. Sheila, because back when I first was, I would have loved to have had podcasts like you do and the Hagmans. Uh, my goodness, that's so helpful now for anybody that's coming to grips with this because they've got all this information you guys are providing. But back when we were starting out, you know, my husband was just digging and trying to find anything he could find. Um, one of Satan's strategies is to try to make everyone think that witches can't do a thing to a Christian. Uh, they just think they can't be touched. And so I've always said to somebody, well, okay, where are the blessings in your life then? Not that we aren't going to have struggles, because we are, but the Bible's pretty clear that when when you you know follow the ways of God, when you follow His Word, there, there are going to be some blessings in there. And I can tell you, and my husband can testify, in those early years of our marriage, it was one curse after another. And I can look back and see where God was helping us, no doubt about that, and sustaining us. But we, we looked like anything but a blessed person. And I always thought, how am I going to give a testimony to somebody to be a Christian when, you know, when we are in such dire straits? And I think that people just have this thought that a witch can't can't curse you. But if if they have a door, Sheila, that's that's one of the things that I found out in all of this uh, journey that we went through, because that was one of the first prayers that God gave me, is he said, ask me to put the blood of Jesus over the doors in your life. And I thought, well, what doors could I possibly have open? I'd, I'd got rid of every movie I thought I shouldn't have. I mean, <laughs> once God delivered me from that, you know, I was purging stuff because I was a really carnal Christian. I, I wasn't worried about how it looked. And even though my husband was a minister, I mean, I just always thought, I just can't go on this road. I'm just, I don't have the ability. I don't have the sanctification or whatever you call it. So I never did care. So I was really cleaning things up. But I prayed that prayer anyway. I thought, well, God, I asked you to put it on the doors in my life. And that probably really saved us from a lot of problems because I didn't realize how many doors I had open. But I'll tell your audience about one thing that I don't think it'll be offensive to anybody that it that is for sure a door. And I've seen when people pray this, it helps them. And this is for people my age that a lot of people won't even be able to relate to this. But there used to be like a little thing that they did sometimes in churches and sometimes just at school years ago called winding the maypole. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah, that was a little before my time. But is that where the little kids sort of dance around in the circle holding these colored ribbons that are attached to a, a pole? Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. And so people just thought that was a cute little thing celebrating May Day. They didn't think a thing about it. But it, it's actually a celebration of the Druidic celebration of Beltane. And so what what it is is that pole that they are winding represents the male phallic symbol, and then they form the circle, and that represents the female. Somebody would just think, if they're a Christian, well, that, that couldn't possibly you know, be anything to me. And that's just something a little innocent child did. Well, that's what Satan wants. He wants us to do things that we don't know 
have a connection to the occult so he can attack us. And that's one thing that people can pray. If they were ever involved in that as a child, they can say, Father, forgive me for my involvement in that, you know, and break the power of that, break all connections, because that that will help. That's one of the things that I've seen. It's like Freemasonry. You know, the descendants of Freemasons, they haven't done anything, but because their, their parents unknowingly bow at a satanic altar, then Satan lays claim to those kids. And I have seen some of the most horrible attacks on the families of Freemasons of anything. Well, yeah, I agree with that because I found that myself having discovered Scottish Rite Freemasonry in my background, there was a lot of generational curses that I had to break, including stuff that was happening right up till recently. And that's the thing, especially in society today is, you know, with these kumbaya cotton candy Christians, they're not talking about witchcraft in their church. They're not going to touch Freemasonry with a 10 foot pole. They're certainly not even going to show people how to do spiritual warfare, which is why Carl and I wrote power prayers, warfare that works, because we have to break these curses off us. We have to deal with the demonic attacks. We've got a major warfare prayer that is so powerful to deal with these kind of attacks. Carla and I, I mean, we put this book together because hell came to our front door. We've both had numerous assignments of witch covens against our ministries. And I'm going to tell you what, while the church is playing games and playing church, this is not a game to these witches and warlocks. Oh, no, it's not. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're putting that information out because that's people really need to hear it because I think as we continue on, those attacks will be even more and more severe. Because what I've seen just watching is that Satan won't pull out those cards until he needs them. You know, like, like there are some people that may go along for a while and they just think, well, I don't have any trouble and I'm a Freemason descendant. But if they would ever cross a coven, if they would ever do something that Satan perceives as a threat to the kingdom of darkness, that's when he pulls out the ticket and says, you know what, I've got this door in you and I'm going to show you what I can do. And that's what I've seen. That's why I've always tried to just tell people, just ask God to show you anything that could be there that Satan can use, because I think that God is getting ready to expose the mind control. I really think the pedophiles, all those things, I think the prayers of the people are being answered and God's going to expose it. But there's never just one side of anything as God exposes that and evil is judged. Satan's going to have a heyday with the Christians that are like you said, that just don't even think they, that a witch can do anything to them. I had recently um, just happened upon one of uh, Bill Sneblin's talks, and he had talked about, I can't remember the name of the ritual, actually, something, the prophet, and the, but it was about one of the rituals that Eliester Crawley performed, I think, when he married his wife, Rose, and it's on August 12th of every year. Well, in 2005 was the worst year I ever had, and it was uh, one of the witches that had come to our our church had told me, she said, now, if you survive what's coming, you'll never have to worry about anything else. And I thought, oh, no, here we go again. What's this? And and what it was, was, a, I think, a culmination of, of things. It was the um, Feast of Hecate. It was this this day I didn't even know about. It was um, the ninth of Av, Tisha B'Av, when they destroyed the temple. Twice. And so I think they thought that they could build all this power and destroy me on that time. And I think they set off every program I had, but it, God was so gracious to me. He let me, I guess they split my brain when they programmed me, and I could see total reality on one side, and I, I would see what the programming was going on on the other side. And I, I'd always said, you know, God, is so hard for me to believe I'm programmed. And so he just would step by step show me something along the way to prove it to me because I was so hard-headed. I just kept thinking, well, you know, I just can't imagine I'm programmed, God. 
they can't imagine this. And so what he did was, as my programming was unwinding, I could see it. And people were interacting with my programming. And so I could see who was involved even. But I didn't know until I heard that just recently from Bill Sneblin that that was part of my programming. It was step by step. I looked it up and it was step by step. What was in my programming was that crazy thing that Aliester Crowley did. And so it was things like that. But but let me tell you, this is the highest occult that you're going to get. And, you know, I think right now, because they have opened so many portals, they've done so many horrible things, Sheila. And, you know, it's like I, I've told my husband so many times, never before could there have been this many child sacrifices as with abortion. Because it doesn't matter, you know, that's not what the women that go through that horrible experience are are thinking that is, I know, but but Lucifer counts it as a sacrifice to him. It would have taken them, you know, a millennia to get that many child sacrifices if it hadn't been for abortion. So all these things together are building power in the kingdom of darkness. So the darkness is increasing and the witchcraft power is increasing, the satanic power is increasing, and the church hasn't been prepared for it. Boy, you just nailed it right there. The church has not been prepared for it because A, the church isn't dealing with it, B, the church is in a dystopic trance. Why is the church not touching this stuff with a 10-foot pole? Why is the church's silence deafening on all these major issues? Why is the church silent and also complicit in a lot of this stuff? Because they are in a complete dystopic fog. They're just, a lot of Christians I meet today are just mindless. They have no clue what's going on. It's so heartbreaking. Like you said, they won't talk about witches or demons or any of these major issues. They're just in this little cotton candy coma. What is causing this, do you think? Some of it, Sheila, is the fact that the witchcraft sting is so prevalent. I think that there are witches that have infiltrated all the churches, and I think what they've done is they're speaking sleep over them. Sleep, just go to sleep, just be distracted, go watch a football game, don't look at this. And and their, their rituals pack a punch. They're really packing a punch, and they're putting the people to sleep. So it's like a demonic trance, really. It could be layers of, of mind control, but it's tied in with demonic spirits. Yeah, there are. Well, that's that's what happened with me as I was healing, is it was coming out in layers. And I'd kind of get frustrated because I'd think, okay, I've got this prayed through. I'm going to be okay now. Well, then there'd be another layer come up. And he, and I'd feel like I'd started all over. Even though I knew I'd made progress, it, feel, it feels like you're starting all over because you're starting with a whole other level of entryways to these demonic forces. And so it takes a while. And, um, and I think that most people don't have a clue of the satanic power. I mean, they have the power. And I watched this. I've watched it for 23 years. I have seen them wreak havoc in the lives of Freemason descendants. I've seen them steal their firstborn son. I've seen them cause car wrecks. I've seen them. It's un, it's it's to death. It's not just some little thing to where, you know, maybe they're going to uh, make you sick for a while or something like that. They can actually cause death. And that's what's scary. I mean, it's it's very, very powerful. So not only can they do curses and hexes and vexes and incantations and use open doors so that demons can wreak havoc. But also, there's that whole level of astral projection where these witches are into the demonic practices of leaving the physical body and going to do things to people. And you'll very seldom hear anybody talking about astral projection. 
Yes, that's exactly right. Well, and I think I don't think people understand. Now, I don't know what the conditions are where a witch can do this, but I do believe it's possible, and I've heard several people say it, that were witches, and they, they said they had the ability to pull, like let's say they would target a pastor, and they would pull him on the astral plane and have sex with him. And he might just think that's a dream, but then it would start deteriorating his marriage, and he'd end up having a divorce because they formed this spiritual tie through this. And that sounds ludicrous, I know, and somebody would say, well, I don't, I don't think that's possible. I don't, I don't know that it would be possible with any person, but there may. what if that, that pastor is a Freemason descendant, and he, he doesn't even realize there's a door there? Can that give them the ability to pull him on the astral pain? Maybe. And so those are the type things that, that we just haven't been taught. You know, I recently read a, an article, and I haven't got it all confirmed yet, but it was saying that uh, when we have sex with a man, that every man we have sex with, we retain part of their DNA. Well, see, if that's true, that's something that a witch will know. They get trained by demons sitting at the edge of their bed. You know, we're all struggling to hear the voice of God, and they're sitting there one-on-one with demons telling them all this stuff. So they've kind of got an edge. And so anything like that that they could use, like if they knew that a woman, like for me, for one of my partners before I married my husband, if they knew that that person's DNA was in me, all they'd have to do is have a conduit to him, and there they'd have a physical access point to me. You know, I used to have sickness beyond belief. When I first started praying with other people after I found out, you know, what happened to me and I was covering myself and binding Satan that he couldn't use me because I was more concerned about me being used by the enemy than, than anything else. So I was covering those doors. And then I would have the most severe nosebleeds. I was having gallbladder attacks. I was having headaches that I called killer headaches. I mean, it was one of the few things that put me in the bed. It was such pain. And so they have access points through what they call body memories because they'll always attach a bodily function to your programming to where if you get offline, they try to make you sick enough that you'll, you'll get back online. And so it's things like that that people just think, well, that couldn't happen. Well, I've watched it for 23 years. And I, um, there was one person that was struggling, and I thought, well, that's a witchcraft sting. You know, you can sometimes you'll just get the sense. And what I saw was just arrows, uh, a lot of arrows coming from different directions, and at that intersection point was where they were having the pain. And so in that case, it was important to pray and ask forgiveness for the sins of every witch that was involved in that. Then once you ask forgiveness for the sin, it breaks the demonic power, and then the healing can come. Because that was one of the things I learned that, if, if I would ask forgiveness for their sins, it doesn't absolve them of their sin. It doesn't mean they don't need to repent, but boy, it will tear down the demonic power that their sin has built. When you're engaged in active sin, this is where it gives the devil and the demons a total foothold. Like you mentioned, picking up the DNA when you're engaged in sexual sin. You've got to deal with the evil soul ties and how are evil soul ties formed. It's like picture an imaginary cord linking you to every person you've ever slept with out of wedlock, every person that you've ever had an unhealthy attachment with. There's good godly soul ties too, but evil soul ties are typically formed in adulterous relationships, fornication, vows, commitments, and promises, controlling relationships, giving a person more authority in your life than you give to God. And that control is witchcraft. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, that I think the soul ties. And, you know, think about this. Now, it's it's not uncommon in our day, and I saw it when I was out in the bars, uh, for people to just leave with a different person every night out of a bar and have sex. Well, how, wouldn't that be the perfect strategy for a witch to, you know, seduce somebody and have sex with them? Because then that is that soul tie that they can affect them forever, unless that man would break it. 
That's right. You have to break the evil soul ties. You have to sever the silver cord of every spirit that is astral projecting against you, too, because a lot of the military. Now, you mentioned your family was in the military. I notice now in the military, they call it they have a nice little cutesy euphemism for astral projection. Now they just call it remote viewing. You know, call it what you like. It's still demonic astral projection, leaving your body and going into the astral plane. That's true. That's exactly right. And I think I think I had that. I think that because in the military training in me and the military programming, I think that's at least I don't know if they got it completed in me. I really don't know. But I, I had I think I had always used that with my family to keep us try to keep us safe because I can after I found out about all this, I look back even when we first I first married my husband and they were really desperate to get me back to Fort Leonard Wood to come back to work there. They even called me and offered me a job, which is unheard of. I think looking back, I think what I was doing one time is I got him out of a job because I perceived they were going to kill him. And then another time I, there was a setup and I got him out of that. And so I told him one day, I said, you know, I think I, I was remote viewing to see what they were doing as an assignment against you so that I could try to undo it. But still, at the same time, even though that may have been a good motive on my part, it was still wrong. And so it took me a while. And I, I've, after I repented of the remote viewing or anything I'd done on the astral plane, it seemed like every step I made, Sheila, I got more free because those are all things. I believe that's forbidden. I don't believe we're supposed to go on that astral plane. And I think that, you know, God can take us somewhere. He can show us something and he could translate somebody. We know that in the Bible, but it needs to be by his hand, not ours. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. And so in the waning moments, walk us through some strategies. If somebody's, you know, suspects they that there's stuff going on in their family, it's not about getting people paranoid and start watching for everybody in their church. I mean, we have, right, right. We, we have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. So I really want to emphasize Christians that by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you know, people go, well, you know, I know who I am in Jesus. I thought you better start knowing who he is in you. There you go. That's the way. (laughs) And I guess that's a major thing that witches do not want Christians to know about their authority. I know that for sure. Just kind of lay out some bullet points, Mary, on what witches do not want Christians to know, like the title of your book. Well, they I know that they don't um, they don't want you to know, especially like if you've had anything in the occult, they don't want you looking at that. So so you'll have you'll be I was always very skeptical of anything like somebody would say about UFOs or anything like that. So that kind of goes with it. So um, they won't want you to know anything in your past that if you were made aware of it, you could pray and break their control over you. So it's so that's one of the prayers that I'd say for anybody. If if somebody's got depression in their family, if they've got, you know, things that just even though you're Christians, you can't get on top of. I just start asking God to reveal the hidden, anything that Satan's done in your life that is is a doorway that Satan can can use against you. And it was it was so many things on me. I don't even think I could list them all. But but he was so good to me. My my main thought when I found out all this was. You know, I'd read so many books, and I started finding everything I could find out about how to come out of this. I watched a counselor, and I thought, you know, this is one slow, crazy process. And I started thinking there's got to be a a better way, because this makes God look small. Like Satan's done something that 
nobody can come out of. So I didn't seek a counselor because I didn't trust anybody at that point. Uh, what I did is I just said, well, listen here, <laughs> this is my body. This is my mind. And I have committed it to Almighty God. That means I've got the mind of Christ. So if there's something going on in there, if there's a witch, she's going to get on her face before God. If there's a Satanist, they're not going to move. And that's just the way I came out of this. I don't think it has to be, you know, there's some people get, get put in such a situation. They are in a mental institution or maybe they're on so many drugs, they, they need help. But I was functional. And so I took that and I just said, Father, forgive every sin that could have ever been done that's put me in this situation. I take authority over my vessel, according to Luke 10, 19, and over all the power of the enemy. And I declare that I'm going to come out of this with your help. <laughs> and so I, I want to encourage people that it is, just like you said, it is our authority through Jesus. It is the blood of the Lamb. That, it, that makes us overcomers. There's not one thing that they can't come out of that Satan's done in their life. And then and then it's just one of those things that any, any door that you have, like winding in a maypole, putting teeth under pillows when children pull a tooth, that's an old demonic way that they had of appeasing demons is they'd give them teeth. So when we, we you know, have those baby teeth and we put them under the pillow and you say that a tooth fairy's coming in, you're given an entrance to a, a demonic force and it doesn't look like a tooth fairy we've seen. So it's those type of things that I, one after another, after another, I just had to start changing things. And so that's what I tell people is just ask God to reveal anything that needs to be changed, anything that you've got to do, any door that's open. And, and he will. He's faithful to do it. He's shown me things that have blown me away. And every time it would, it would prove to be true. So he's faithful. I mean, he wants us free. And, and I, one of the other keys that I found that is so helpful if you're, if you're in a church, it, it won't hurt a thing if you just ask God to forgive the sins of every person that walks in that building. Because if you do that and there's a witch established there by you asking forgiveness for their sins, they might just be coming out of a ritual from the night before. It is going to take, it'll be like the air being let out of a balloon. And, and when you do that in a church, then eventually they'll show themselves because they'll get so frustrated because they can't get done. I would, if, if you could do this, it will help. Go by and just pray over the seats and anoint the seats with oil. Say, Father, let the anointing be here. They'll get up and move. <laughs> That's right. And a lot of people, Mary, do not understand that not only do we have power and authority over all the power of the enemy, but we also can give charge to the angels to intercede, to do things on our behalf. The whole area of angels, people just do not understand this topic at all. And most people's angels are sadly, they're unemployed. Boy, you've got that right, Sheila. I just don't think people understand all the how important it is for those angels that God's given charge over us because they're right there. Once we saw what was going on with us, we just trusted God. We we read the 91st Psalm over and over and said, there are angels here that have begun charge over us. They excel in strength to perform the word that says they're going to protect us, not even let us, you know, bump our foot against a stone. So when you proclaim the word like that, they respond to it. They They will perform that word as you declare it. Well, Mary, in the final waning moments, would you do us the honor? There's a lot of listeners out there tuning in. They may have been involved in witchcraft, Freemasonry. I mean, who knows what they're involved in? Probably a mishmash. Would you do us the honor, please, of praying for us tonight? Oh, that'd be my privilege, Sheila. Thank you. Well, Father, we come before you in the precious name of Jesus, declaring how great he is, that there's none like him. There's none that can even compare or stand beside. He's almighty God. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's all powerful. And Father, there's not one thing that Satan has done 
that Jesus did not pay the price for us to be delivered from. And Father, for all those listeners, Father, maybe there are those that are just so downtrodden and and they can't figure out why they can't do the Christian walk. Maybe they just can't find the strength. Father, I'm asking you to reveal to them anything that Satan uh, has adorned their life, anything that is there that would be a place that Satan could attack them or witches could come against them through. Father, reveal it. You were so good to me and you're no respecter of persons. Everything you reveal to me, you can reveal to them. Father, for those that are the descendants of Freemasons. Father, I just pray that you would, would deliver them. Father, that they're under these curses, that they didn't do anything wrong, just they were born into a family of Freemasons. And Father, I know that there are so many hip problems and spine problems and things that come from that and hip sockets that weren't formed. And I just ask you, Father, to show them, get them to the, the place where they can they can see what's going on in their family. And not that this is a, Father, that they wouldn't take offense at it because it's not coming against their parents or grandparents that didn't know. They haven't known what they were joined. Morning, Lord. But Father, for them, for anyone that has a family uh, of witchcraft, maybe that were um, psychics or anything like that, Father, show them the way to freedom because we can't have these things in our lives according to the Word of God. And Satan has been so sneaky to put these things in. So I'm asking you, Father, for divine revelation in their lives. Father, I ask for any witch that's listening or anyone that's caught in the occult, I just encourage you to turn to Jesus and lay everything at his feet, to not try to hold on to any occult power to be safe because that's just opening another door for the enemy to hold you back. But I can give my testimony. Father, let them hear my testimony that I was willing to die. I was going to stand where you told me to and pray for these little children being tormented. And Father, if I died, I died. But you let me live. And I am thankful for that. And I'm thankful, Father, that you'll help them live. You will show them a path to freedom. Show them that you are greater. Father, they maybe have never seen your power. But Father, let the anointing that is upon Sheila's ministry. Father, say, listen to this, Father, the anointing that is there to bring deliverance to them. Father, let them have an assurance that you are all-powerful and that all the things that Satan's done all wrapped up together cannot compare to you. And Father, you did such a wonderful work in my life of healing and deliverance and restoration, Father, of what looked like a life ruined. Father, you can do it for all those that are listening. I pray for it. I come into agreement with your perfect plan in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. That was very powerful, Mary Lou. And if you would please give out your information on how folks can get in touch with you. Okay. Uh, my email is nomindcon, N-O-M-I-N-D-C-O-N, short for no mind control, nomindcon at gmail.com. Well, there you have it, folks. Nomindcon at gmail.com. Shoot Mary an email and let her know you heard her on the program today. Very powerful stuff. Thank you, Mary, so much for coming on the program today. And do come back and see us soon. Oh, thank you, Sheila. I appreciate you talking to me so much. Folks, that was Mary Lou Lake. That is the wife of Dr. Michael Lake. Such an amazing lady. Do get her book, too. We couldn't get into everything, but What Witches Don't Want Christians to Know, the expanded edition is available on Amazon.com, a very powerful book. I'm recommending for anybody coming out of the occult, out of witchcraft, Freemasonry, dealing with evil soul ties, generational curses, The Gambit is available. If you go to weekendvigilante.com, if you go up to the radio archives menu, there's a drop down menu. Just click Deliverance Radio. There's powerful deliverance prayer on all those shows. So do check out those. There's one particular one on witchcraft that Carl and I did that's very powerful. And just a quick announcement, in a couple of weeks, September 1st is the launch of my new website. 
It's got some really great features on it, and I'm really excited about it. And I just think you'll really enjoy the new format, the new layout. I think you're going to be very impressed. I want to remind everyone again, please do immediately following the show, go become a Patreon member today. Please do not forget when you go to weekendvigilante.com, the Patreon banner will come up. You click on it, commit 5, 10, 15, 20, or even more dollars per month. Commit something per month. I hope you were very blessed by the program today. We've got an exciting lineup this week. Some of July and August was, again, a little wonky because of forest fires and me having to evacuate three different times due to the smoke. But I'm back home. I'm back doing shows. And we have got a fantastic lineup this week. And the rest of August, we have a bunch of fantastic shows that you're going to be wanting to listen to. And which reminds me, for the new listeners, if you're hearing this, on some format, and you want more ways to listen to this program, go to weekendvigilante.com. Go to the listen page. There's a lot of different options. The podcast, make sure you're following it. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Don't forget, because sometimes they come out on YouTube way before they come out on the podcast. So do make sure that you are subscribing to my YouTube and also following me on Twitter. And do like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page. I post a lot of great stuff, so make sure you're following me there. All my social media icons are also on my website. Good night and God bless.